You're listening to How She Creates, Season 2, Episode 5. Today, I have my personal creative guru on, Caroline Zook, and we are talking all things creative self-care. So get your soul ready for an amazing and inspirational episode. Welcome to How She Creates. I'm your creative fairy godmother, Lauren. I'm here to take you behind the scenes with all your favorite makers to learn how they create. We'll discuss what it means to live a creative lifestyle, the best resources and tools for making, where to find inspiration, and so much more. I hope these conversations encourage you to make more stuff and share it with the world so we can all see how you create. How She Creates is sponsored by Get Messy Art Journal. Get Messy is an art journal membership community that shares tutorials, inspirations, prompts, challenges, and more each week. Get Messy's goal is to help you nurture your creativity, become the artist you desire to be, and find your creative community. When you sign up for Get Messy's mailing list, you get access to three free classes, one on how to find your creative style, introduction to Art Journal 101, and Art Journal 102, Elevate Your Art Journaling. Get Messy has an amazing community of artists who are waiting to welcome and support you in your art journey. Learn more and sign up for Get Messy in their awesome newsletter at getmessyartjournal.com. All right, you guys, I could not be more excited about this episode. I have been trying to get Caroline on the podcast for two years now, and she is so busy. If you know anything about Caroline, you know that she does a million and one huge creative projects and so I was so excited when she agreed to be on this week's episode and to share with us about creative self-care. Caroline is an artist and maker who lives in California with her husband Jason and they create amazing business and art projects and courses and programs to help artists and makers and business owners run their business in such a fantastic way. They have such great insight in what it takes to succeed and achieve and how to do that in a way that's really authentic to who you are and really um, focuses on that self-care aspect. Caroline writes on her blog at madevibrant.com and so you can find all of her information there and you can follow her on Instagram at ckelso. So if you don't know who Caroline is, I would highly suggest that you jump on Instagram really quickly and go have a look at her beautiful, bright, fun work that she creates. Um, So I'm so excited for you to meet her today, and we're going to go ahead and jump into the show. But again, if you would like to follow along online as we are talking about different, there's a lot of people mentioned in this episode and a lot of different things, and so all of those show notes are at lauren-likes.com slash podcast and you can get all the info there from this show and all the past episodes and so go ahead and you can look that up really quickly or you can find it linked down below likely depending on the podcast player you're listening to and you can see everything we're talking about and you can connect with caroline so i can't wait for you to hear the episode and you're going to leave feeling so refreshed and so encouraged and so excited so enjoy so much for being on Caroline. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I know I've been really looking forward to this conversation for a long time so I'm really glad that we um, got to make it happen. 
will you give us just a quick intro to who you are? Sure. So my name is Caroline Kelso Zook, formerly Weingart, and I just got married in March. So that's why I'm getting used to my new last name. But I would consider myself an artist, um, a writer, and an online teacher. So I started a website called Made Vibrant, which is a learning community for soulful creatives. So I kind of like to explore the areas between creativity and authentic business and personal growth. So all those things are, uh, you know, heavily overlap for me in my own personal life. And so I like to just mine my own experiences and share wisdom that I come up with, um, with others that are trying to navigate those kind of tricky areas as well. So I teach online classes on, you know, a whole number of things from art classes like painting and hand lettering to then business classes on branding. So Definitely a multi-passionate entrepreneur, as you would say. And yeah, that's just a little bit about what I have going on. Awesome. Yes, you have a lot of really fun and intense projects that you do. And so I'm so excited to talk to you about that today. So if you don't know who Caroline is, I know you're going to be really excited to hear her story. So will you start out by telling us your creative story, how you fell in love with creating, how you got started, and kind of what you feel like your specific art form is? Yeah. So, you know, it's so funny because I was just thinking about this recently. I was like, when did I, especially with lettering, because, you know, as I mentioned, I have a lettering course and that was sort of how I rediscovered my creativity. And I was like, when did I, you know, where did that start in my past? But I think I was always a really, really creative kid. Like I have distinct memories of coming up with projects and like loving, you know, trolling the aisles of Michaels and things like that. And every time we had some sort of creative like diorama project in school, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to work on this. Um, but an important part of my personal story is just the fact that I was also very, so I was this like creative right brain kid, but then I was like really left brain academic analytic as well. And I feel like from early on, I got a lot of messages from, you know, not intentional messages, but from adults around me that were like, oh, you're really good at school. You're really, you know, you're smart and you should pursue this academic thing you know, and success in that traditional sense of the word versus my creative talents. And I just feel like, you know, a lot of times adults would tell me not in direct terms, but kind of I was getting the sense that creativity is for a hobby and, you know, success and pursuing a career and being really good and at the top of your class was like what you should really strive for. And so I think that the creativity part of me really took a backseat throughout my whole kind of adolescence and then even into college. Um, I did have a moment in college where I wanted to be pre-med because, hello, like that's what you do when you feel like you want people to give you validation and believe that you're smart and you go to med school and whatever. But I hate like I would be a terrible doctor. I hate blood. I'm super squeamish. (laughs) Thank goodness I realized that like freshman year. I was like, this is probably not a good idea. Um, So I thought I'd be really clever and I would pursue a degree in advertising because it's kind of creative. I mean, it is creative, theoretically. You know, I'll pursue this creative career, but then I'll just really do the successful top of your class thing again and I'll be able to blend the two. And that led me to a career in advertising that I really, really hated. Um, It didn't feel like there was any creativity there. It felt like it was all very cutthroat and work as long as you can, as hard as you can to make the client happy. And I just really found that very empty for me. 
And so that's when I really started to come back to my creativity and started hand lettering and, um, you know, just like reading blogs and seeing that was about the time that uh, Pinterest really started to like kind of pop off too. And so, um, I started a personal blog and, and finally got to kind of get my writing out of me. And that was a place where I could put all my creativity. And that was really the beginning of sort of me rediscovering that part of my identity. And then it was just like off to the races from there. I mean, obviously the journey wasn't easy, but um, hand lettering, I would say, is my first kind of love. And the thing that I had done as a kid that I didn't even realize. I just think I've always had a really tough time um, drawing things from memory. So I don't know if any of your listeners out there are like this. I kind of find that people are in like two buckets. Like one, one is like drawing from your imagination and being able to call on things that you can create. And the other is being able to look at things and kind of, you know, copy what you see in front of you. I, I just find that I, it's either like one or the other, and I'm the one that can't really pull from my imagination. And so I think I fell in love with lettering because I was like, well, I can't draw a lot of things from my imagination, but I I know what letters look like. You know what I mean? So, so if I was in, you know, like a corner of a classroom or like had a journal on a park bench, I, you know, had a hard time coming up with things to draw, but I just could always draw letters. It was like the one thing that I could always go to. And I just have this like profound love of words and wisdom and insight. And so it was kind of the marriage of those two things for me. So lettering is really my first love and it has parlayed into all kinds of fun things like acrylic painting now, which is definitely my medium of choice these days. But yeah, that's sort of my journey to kind of diverting from my creativity and then kind of coming back to it. Awesome. I love what you just said, you know, that lettering was kind of always a thing that you could do. We recently taught Mm -hmm. a um, find your style workshop and all these people were like they want their style or whatever their art form to be something else that they admire in someone else and and that's awesome like you should like push and learn new things but I think that people overlook their own talents that they just already innately have and so I love that you really capitalized on that and dug more into that and found the joy in that because I think it's a just a really natural obvious way for people to find their style and to really hone in on their creativity Completely. And I love that you did that workshop because, excuse me, I have this, I find the same thing about people in my community. And I try to encourage the same exact thing, which is that if you are so focused on what other people are doing or admiring their style, you're going to try and kind of bend to theirs. But I'm always so fascinated of what comes out of you when you don't know what other people are doing. And I actually challenge myself to do that, not just in creativity, but you know, in, in my own business and stuff, whenever it's my instinct to go, Oh, I've never done this before. Let me go see how someone else is doing it. I'll stop myself because I'll go, wait a second. The easy, way for me to stand out in in doing this um, is to not look at what other people are doing and just see what I would come up with on my own, just from my own innate, you know, instincts. And I think instincts are a big thing when you're an artist. Like if you can learn to trust those and not have this fear of, oh gosh, is that, what is, how does this compare to like what, what's normal or what other people do or what's professional or what, you know, fine artists are doing. Um, then I, the more you can trust those instincts, I feel like the more you can open up to your unique creative voice and really see what's inside you. Oh, exactly. And I feel like I've been in a spot of that recently. And Tiffany Hahn, um, talks about that a lot. And I've realized that she's the best. She is awesome. Um, But I've realized that when I, you know, I'm like, oh, I have this idea. Okay, let me go look at Pinterest or let me go like Google how to do that. I then become paralyzed and I let, then I waste all this time. And then it becomes this whole big ordeal. And then I have to learn 25 things. And then I never get the thing done, you know, but if I just do it, I can honestly figure it out 95% of the time. Um, And then you can troubleshoot as you go because there are definitely things I don't know how to do and I need to learn. Um, 
But yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's that balance. It's like knowing when you you really do have that kind of gap in knowledge that you can go seek out and knowing when you're kind of seeking it because you are maybe fearful of, you know, following your own instincts to do something. But yeah, it's a delicate balance, but I totally relate to that. Yeah. Um, so okay, so tell us what your creative process is like. So when you're lettering, when you're painting, kind of what is your ritual? How do you get started? What do you do every day? Yeah, it's always changing for sure. I go through seasons, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. Um, I'm also one of those people who when I sort of I, – I get myself into like – I don't want to say a rut, but like a, a comfort zone. And then then it turns into a rut and I have to like re you know blow the whole thing up and start over again. Um, so I will tell you what it's like right now. I am loving – moving my painting practice to these big canvases, which um, for a while when I was just sort of learning and exploring acrylic painting, it was really like art journal stuff. It was working on watercolor paper and just kind of these like smaller iterations of that. Um, and I don't know what my fear was about doing that on canvas. Maybe it just felt more more um, permanent because, you know, canvases aren't uh, – inexpensive. They're pricey. So I was like, oh, what if I mess up or whatever? And then you just really realize, okay, if you quote unquote mess up, you can always just work a piece until you love it. Um, and I think you only learn that by doing it over and over again and trusting yourself and saying, oh my gosh, if, if this doesn't look the way that I like or whatever, you just keep going until you find the beauty and find, um, what you do like about it. So right now I'm, I'm loving working on big canvases. Um, and I have a couple of commissions that I'm doing for people, which, was like a new step for me also of um, coming back to kind of input from other people as well because usually I just try to create whatever I want to create and then if I'm going to like sell a piece or something afterwards I'll do that after. Um, so the canvas thing is huge for me right now and I have I'm lucky enough to have an art studio downstairs. It's sort of like a bonus room in our um, condo right now but we're moving soon so I'm going to have to figure out a new setup but I have that's my little creative cave. So I have like a little couch down there and I have a little Alexa or what do you call them? An echo. Yeah. So yeah. So I'll tell Alexa to like put on a cool podcast or um, play some music and I'll set up my canvas. I don't have like a crazy easel or anything like that. I literally prop my canvas up on a chair, like a spare chair that I have <laughs> with, with a drop cloth. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I have this like a uh, super lightweight, um, tripod that I got for Christmas that I prop up behind it, but it's not very sturdy. So that's another kind of lesson that I would, uh, tell your listeners is like, work with what you got. You know what I mean? Like, don't go out and convince yourself that you can't paint because you don't have this fancy, beautiful wooden tri or what do you call them? Easel that you see on Instagram and whatever. Like just, just, if it's going to prevent you from doing what you want to do, don't let it. Um, so yeah, I prop it up on my, on my chair and then I just go to town and I kind of give myself a nice long, um, time block to really start a piece. Um, I used to do a lot more art journaling, which I know that you are super into. And I would love to get back to that just to, cause I am feeling like, um, I'm at a place with my work where I want to push it forward. And I find that doing art journaling or doing something on a smaller scale in a more, um, free freeing type of scenario like that, you can explore a lot of different directions with your work and stuff. So I'm definitely sensing that I'm going to that place. So I think in the future, I'm going to block off a little bit more time to do some of those experiments. Um, but yeah, that's what it is for me. It's just being able to give myself that time and to put myself in a mental state where I am just, I can get into that flow so I can just connect with myself, put on feel good music or 
um, like I said, sometimes I like having a podcast on because it really makes me think. And it almost like dissociates my like thinking mind from my creative mind. So if I give my thinking mind, like my ego mind, something to chew on mentally, then I find that, you know, the other part of me, the more intuitive part of me can really be freed up to like do the painting. So that's another strategy I use. Oh, that's a great strategy. Um, yeah, I definitely struggle to find the balance of what are tasks that I can do that I can listen and do the task or that I need to just like stop and like just play music. Um, cause I get so yeah. mad when I start a podcast and then I like switch tasks and I have to like, yep. I can't do it. Um, yep. Okay. So I've been struggling with this lately since, you know, I just started working for myself about, um, two months ago and you're really good at this, um, how do you kind of prioritize the ebb and flow of how you're feeling with what you're creating and what you're accomplishing? How do you prioritize that? Gosh, that's a really good question. Well, first of all, I think the key, like you said, is prioritization. Like if there's one thing I've learned over the years of working for myself and, you know, fitting in creativity is if, it, if you're not prioritizing it, like, well, to me, priority prioritization really is just like a placeholder for um, awareness and intention. So it's really about being like, I'm not just going to wake up and do whatever's on my to-do list. I'm going to say, what do I want out of this day? So if I want to create, then I need to have an intention to set that intention and to then do it. Um, Or if I want to finish this business task, then I'll do that. Um, Or like you said, if I, if I need to check in with myself and make sure I'm in a good mental space, um, then I need to do that too. And thankfully over the years, I've gotten a lot more um, used to making that sort of, um, what's the word, like not automated in my head, but like I've gotten really used to just, I don't even think about it, it, you know? So I wake up and I'm always checking in with myself and having a sense of self-awareness of like, how am I feeling right now? What do I need? That's honestly the question I replay over and over in my head. Like, what do I need right now? What do, and really it's like, not to get all woo-woo, but it's like, what does my soul need right now? Does it need rest? Does it need creativity? Does it need, um... sometimes it needs productivity. Like sometimes I'm like, I am so tired of not getting this thing done that I need to do that because it's going to allow myself to rest easy and then create better. So I've developed this language between my head and my heart where, you know, at any given moment, I sort of can feel what I need to do in order to kind of um, get back into what I call alignment, um, which just means like that my actions are kind of aligning with what my deeper core self really wants. Um, So yeah, that's become sort of an involuntary practice, but I have just found that if I'm not in a good place, like if I'm not in that place of alignment, then whatever I create, and sometimes creativity can actually bring me back to that, but you know, whenever the product is going to be, isn't going to have my whole heart into it. And whatever I'm creating with my business, isn't going to have my whole heart into it. So I really have to kind of get that right before, um, I do anything else. Same with like, especially that's huge for my relationships. Like, um, if I am, you know, not doing what I need to do to take care of myself or to give myself what I need, then I end up being a bad partner to my husband who works from home as well. And so I'm usually super snappy and he's like, what is the And I'm like, honestly, I just need this thing right now. I need alone time or I need this or I need that. And it can start to feel really, this is something I've battled with too. And I don't know if any of your listeners feel this, but that it can start to feel like you're being selfish, you know, like you're being like, oh, the whole world revolves around me, which is not the case. And I have um, had to fight that sort of self-talk in my head because I think that we have this misconception about what is selfish. And I think that 
we're all just people and we all have needs. And if we can learn to take care of those needs, then we can better serve other people. Um, I think where we get into trouble is when we don't take care of ourselves and we just serve other people and we end up running ourselves into the ground and we're not the best version of ourselves and we're not creating the things that um, we really want to create. And it just causes resentment and things like that. So I find that, you know, in a way, if, if you can frame it in your head where it's like, okay, if I'm if I'm filling up my bucket first, or you know how people say, if I'm putting on my oxygen mask first, then I'm being a, the best version of myself that I can be to serve other people. And reframing it like that helps me to kind of, like I said, have that involuntary question that I'm asking all the time to get myself into that good headspace to create or do work or whatever I need to do. Okay. So much wisdom in all of everything you just said. Um, <laughs> So we have our show quote already. You know, what does my soul need today? I think that we try to compartmentalize everything and we forget that we are, like you say, soulful creatives and that everything we do blends in with everything we do. Um, And so we have to be really aware and intuiting what's going on with ourselves. And so I really, really love that. And I'm definitely going to use that to help guide my days better. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad. But, okay, so you work with your husband. How, and even just for, I get a lot of questions about this. I actually just wrote an article about this in Brush Magazine. Um, How do you communicate what you need to your partner, especially when it comes to creativity? You know, I know Jason's creative, but he's definitely more business-minded. So how, how, because that's what I get a lot of questions about is, how do I talk? My family members don't understand the creative part of me. How do you talk about that? How do you share what you need? Oh my gosh. Well, you you uh, are together with that person for seven years to start <laughs> <laughs> and you over communicate all seven of those years until you get to a place where that person understands you so well that you that they just get that you're going to be a much nicer human if you have your alone time. Um, no, in all seriousness, it is for sure over communication um, and it doesn't happen right away. Like that answer really is truthful. Um, when we first met, it was really hard because I was this like, I would say even I don't want to say oversensitive anymore because I'm, I'm learning to embrace that I'm a very sensitive person and there's nothing over about it or, or too much, you know what I mean? But, um, I was a very sensitive person. Um, and recently I've kind of discovered about HSP and highly sensitive people. And I definitely identify with that. So I was on this end of the spectrum. And then Jason, when we met, definitely was on the other end of the spectrum. So not as emotional. He's like you said, he's very, he is creative, but he's also very, um, he can compartmentalize, he can take action. He is the most self-disciplined person I know. So he just has this whole different way of being. And we were on these like two opposite ends of the spectrum. And over the years, it just took a lot of, of conversations and communication to, I mean, we've been working together for, I mean, over five years now, more, I don't know. Um, and I the way that we started out our relationship is that I was actually working for his company. So we've just been working in, in close proximity for many, many years. And that kind of forces a lot of those conversations to come to the surface, maybe faster than they would, um, in other relationships where you kind of had that time apart, because if we were working together, I would have to say like, 
I just need to go, I need to go into my art studio right now. Like I need to just go get out whatever is, you know, weighing on my heart or whatever is in my mind. Or sometimes I get to this place where if I haven't created, you know, in a few days or something like that, because we're in like a particularly, particularly tight uh, deadline for work or something, I'll be like, I just need to go downstairs and paint for 20 minutes because that to me is my way of reconnecting with myself. And that puts me in just such a better state of like wholeness and, um, you know, I can bring my full self to my work or whatever. And so he gets that now. And so I don't know what the answer is, except to just say, A, the so step one, which we just talked about, is like really getting clear with yourself about what you need. And then it's developing a language that you can then tell your partner and say, and not just like, this is what I need, but this is why I need it. So asking yourself that why question over and over again. So it's like, why do I need this? Or, or why am I feeling this way? Or why is this hitting me in a certain way? That's another thing is like, I mean, I feel like I've gotten a psychology degree just from the level of like communication we've done. But sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll be in a conversation and I'll be very defensive or something. And rather than just letting that sit there, either he will say, or I will say, and I'll be like, gosh, why, why is that, is that making me so defensive right now? And it's like, then you dig deeper and you go, okay, what is, what's that about? And it's like, oh, I actually just feel like I've been working really hard for this joint project we've been doing. And I haven't been doing anything that feels like it's fulfilling to just my vision by myself. So I need to take 20 minutes to go downstairs and just create something that I myself want to create. You know, it's like always just asking yourself those questions of why, and then being able to verbalize them. And now we've gotten to this point where when I do verbalize that, he understands and he's like, I don't know, like he just knows um, (laughs) probably because he's been able to see what the opposite effect is, is like if I don't say those things and he's like, I don't want that. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You know, so he we've gone down the wrong path so many times that now we know what the right path is. But um, it's just a trial and error and over communication for sure. Yeah, I think that's really important. And that's something that, you know, I always harp on is it doesn't happen overnight. It's those continual conversations and reminding and different ways of explaining. And so I think that's really important that one conversation does not explain and change everything. So I think that's really important. One more little uh, tidbit that I just thought of that our friends actually – um, we lived with another couple, uh, when we first moved to California and that was an incredible learning experience in itself for like a year, we rented a big house together and it was fun cause they were entrepreneurs. But one tidbit that they gave us, which we have used in our relationship and is super helpful if anyone, um, wants to communicate better with their partner about creativity or about work or anything like that is, um, when you, you know, come to your partner with something <laughs> Or like when I come to Jason and I'll say, hey, hey, let me talk to you about something. And he'll go, wait, do you want me to help or do you want me to listen? And that is so, so helpful. I think especially in relationships between men men and women who sometimes, you know, men tend to be a little bit of helpers. Like they just, they want to problem solve. They want to um, figure out a solution. And sometimes women just need to come and just you know, release whatever's on their heart or, or vent or whatever that, that tends to be. And of course that's a generalization, but I have found that to definitely be true at times in our relationship. And so if I can come to him 
especially when we were a lot more separate, like when I was building up Made Vibrant and for a number of years, we, we were kind of doing our own thing. Like we were working together next to each other, but I was working on my business. He was working on his. And so I would come to him and I'd be like, oh, what do you think I should do with this? Or, you know, oh, let me just share this with you. And he would say, do you want me to help or do you want me to listen? And sometimes the answer was just listen. Like I, I want to figure this out on my own, but I just need to get it out of my head. So, you know, that is sometimes a source of conflict also, because if I'm just trying to get it out of my head and you're trying to problem solve and tell me what I should, you know, it can feel like you're telling me what I should do. And that was not what I was coming to you for. So just that like really quick question, um, has also helped us communicate better in terms of, and, and that's just like a, you know, a thing that you can bring to any conversation is understanding what the expectation of the other person is in that conversation. That That's between friends, between colleagues, anyone is like, what do you need me for in this conversation so that I know what my expectations are and that those are clear and so that I can, you know, serve you in that conversation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's so important for all conversations that we have. And that's like the, so, you know, I'm about to bring this up again. I have, my degrees are pretty much in therapy. And so that's like the first thing we learn. And the first thing mm-hmm. that all of my like mentors and teachers and supervisors and stuff asked me, they were like, did these people ask you to help them or did they just want to talk? You know, because right. I am absolutely a helper. Um, yep, yep. And, and so that that's been something I've had to learn too. And, and in my personal relationships and so that, I think that's a fantastic tip. Um, and I'm going to go back to something else you said that was really important. Like when you're really busy or you don't have a lot of time in general, um, just saying like, I'm going to take 20 minutes, I'm going to take 10 minutes and just go do something creative for myself. I think that's really important that people forget that, you know, we're not all full-time artists. Like we don't all have all, and even those of us who are, we still have a business to run to support that art habit. And so, um, you don't have to have hours and hours if you you know, especially if you're struggling to get your partner or whoever to understand, just saying like, Hey, can I go have 10 minutes to myself? You don't even have to yeah. tell them what you're going to do. So I think that's a great yeah. point. Yeah. And thank goodness for, I mean, speaking of my art practice now, I've, I got a, an iPad pro last year. And so now that's my little mobile art studio. So that makes it even 10 times easier because I don't need to go down to my studio. I can just literally go sit up in my bed for 10 minutes and doodle or paint digitally. Um, and it's a whole different experience. Like it's not quite that tactile experience, but I find that it still gets that, that, um, feeling that I need sometimes to just create. Um, so that's been really helpful, but, and also speaking to what you said before, like I have learned this the hard way so many times that in the busiest seasons of our life, that's when we need our creativity and our self-care the most. Mm -hmm. That's, that tends to be when we let it go because we feel like we don't have time or whatever, but it, it need, I have learned this, like I said, the hard way just recently, again, I've had to relearn this lesson. But it's like, that's not the time when the the exercising needs to go or the being in the studio needs to go or the taking time to rest needs to go. That's when it needs to be built in even more because you're doing these like very compacted kind of sprints of work and focus. And I that'll get you burnt out really quickly. So even just like you said, putting that, you know, 10 to 20 minutes aside and saying, this is also something that needs to be on my to-do list because it's going to actually sustain me and allow me to work better and longer because I'm, I'm doing it in a sustainable way and not just that sprint. 
Yeah, so we'll definitely have that link in the show notes because, again, as a therapist, when Caroline wrote that article, I feel like that opened my eyes in a whole new way of seeing other people, accepting other people, and myself. I would definitely not say that I am a highly sensitive person, but just giving myself permission to feel those feelings and to be okay with having bad days and needing time away. And it was a really powerful article, so I definitely want people to be able to read that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I I mean, that's like I said, that has been, you know, the creative journey. And then there's sort of the personal journey underneath that. And I would definitely say that my personal story has been embracing that sensitive part of myself my entire life. Because when I was younger, I grew up with brothers and I just thought, oh my gosh, like I, what is wrong with me that I'm just like crying all the time? (laughs) I was like, they're not that mean to me. You know what I mean? But, um, now looking back, I can just see that I just was a sensitive kid and, um, now a sensitive adult. And I think for a long time I was afraid to show people that because, I mean, and it's becoming a lot more like sort of normalized now, but you know, we still live in a time where crying makes people uncomfortable or things like that. But the beauty of it is that you get the bonus of being able to feel things so deeply and to be moved by things. And I've come to really accept that um, and appreciate it. And then that's why that self-care piece is so important because if I am having a bad day or if I am feeling, you know, like I think we talked about last week, um, just for those listening when we were recording this, the week before was the um, the attacks in Las Vegas. And that just really threw me off my game for a whole week because I was, you know, grieving for these people who had been injured or lost their lives and things like that, where I'm not even directly affected can, can weigh on my heart so much. And so that is the thing when you're super sensitive is like, you have to honor those feelings and not try to just stifle them or hide them or move past them. And you also have to be able to vocalize that to other people and say, hey, do you mind pushing back this interview? Or, hey, do you mind not having a call today? I just need to take some time for myself. And I've learned over the years that in doing that, you know, I can bring my best self to those interactions and those conversations and also um, allow myself to heal or whatever that emotional piece of me, you know, needs to be released or whatever that is. So um, for those of you that are super sensitive, I hope that that helps and I hope that the article helps too. Yeah, and for people who are not and sometimes struggle seeing that from the outside, think about it as in the way of like the world needs these empathetic people so much, you know, because your level of empathy that you are connecting with these people is really powerful and really intense and really goes a really long way in the healing process and the understanding and and being able you know to kind of be that bridge and communicate that with the rest of us of, of what's happening and so i think that's really powerful and i love that you share that i love that well thank you for being <clears throat> you know that also that bridge who maybe isn't feeling that but is recognizing the value in it because i feel the exact same way about people who aren't like me and you know people like you it's like we need you guys too because if if the world was full of people like us that we would just all be a mess and we would just <laughs> you know we would curl up in our beds all day <laughs> um so i think that's the beautiful thing about the world is that we have people with all kinds of different you know personality types and predispositions and we all kind of fill a, an interesting piece together so So, okay, so talking about all of this, you still do so much. You have so many incredible creative projects that you're always doing. Your classes are so creative, so inspiring, have so much great content in them. We're definitely going to link to all of Caroline's amazing, amazing classes. Um, But how do you stay inspired? Where are you getting all of these ideas for all of this breadth of work that you're creating? 
It's funny. It's almost counterintuitive. Like I find that the more that I, I I get my inspiration, honestly, from being in tune with myself. Like I find that those ideas come when I'm not out looking for it, if that makes sense. So it's kind of goes back to the, what we were saying at the beginning of our conversation. Like if I'm in this like state of consumption where you know, I'm listening to all these podcasts and I'm reading all these articles. A lot of times I find that that actually stifles my inspiration because I get in a place of not necessarily comparison, but like, oh, there's nothing new for me to say kind of thing. And so the second that I walk away from all of that and I stay super mindful with myself throughout the day, that's when the most ideas come. And I just sort of use my experiences out in the world as little like, you know, sparks that kind of spark these insights and these ideas. Um, so I get most inspired when I'm out doing things in the world and not consumed with like technology or, consu- you know, consuming information and stuff. So um, Jason and I live near the beach now. So every day, actually twice a day now, because our dog, <laughs> our dog needs to be walked twice a day. So thankfully for him, we we do see sunshine and we, we're not just like holed up in our house all day. Um, but we'll take walks one in the morning at 11 and one at five um, in the afternoon and just walking down by the water and kind of just watching people and it sounds cheesy but like listening to birds and seeing nature like I find that super super inspiring um and then also you know if if we're talking about the things that I do consume I'm not saying that like podcasts and things like that don't inspire me because they do but um the thing that I find most inspiring is people that I look up to who are being radically authentic with themselves so a lot of my mentors that I look up to are like Elizabeth Gilbert or Glennon Doyle or Brene Brown, kind of those like powerhouse women who are just out there in the world telling the truth and being who they are and doing it with their art, you know, through their writing or um, those things like that is super inspiring to me because I just find that the more truthful I am with myself and the more that I can show up authentically, that's when like I said, that that soul part of me is like really happy. And then that's when the ideas start to flow and stuff like that. And then, of course, it helps to be married to a person who has a never ending supply of ideas. So when when we go on those walks, you know, at 11 or at five, we are always talking about ideas, like 100 percent of the time we're talking about ideas. So our challenge is actually Um, especially over this past year is to not pursue every one of those and to go here is what we need to prioritize and we can do those ideas, but we just need to do them in the future. We can't do them now. Um, And I've had to learn that the hard way also because I've stretched myself too thin too many times. So yeah, I just, I got a little idea notebook. I just save them for a rainy day. (laughs) And then if I come back to it in three months and I still want to do it, then maybe it's an idea worth pursuing. Oh my goodness. That is so fantastic. I struggle with that so much. I am such, like I said, I'm very much like a mobilizer. Um, you know, and that was as a therapist, as a social worker, I was, I always worked in jobs that were like, okay, you have five minutes to tell me your story and then we're going to get to work. And then in five minutes, we're going to have like a plan and then we're going to start the plan, (laughs) you know? Uh, And, um, and so my husband, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying that just speaks to the incredible amount. Like I am always blown away of the incredible amount of things that you are doing. I'm like, how does this girl get it all done? But now I'm I'm learning a little bit more about like that's just <laughs> that is just ingrained in you. Yes, and I feel bad though. I have to rein it in because my husband and Kaylee, my partner, are both big dreamers, and I'm gonna be like, nope, that wouldn't work. Nope, that's too <laughs> important. Nope, we're we're not. 
<laughs> and they're like, you're crushing our dream. <laughs> you, need, you need both pieces. Like we were saying, we all have our strengths and we all need each other for those things. I know because I just – I do. I like immediately see how to materialize things. And so I'm not a good dreamer because – I mean I'm a good dreamer because I will make it happen in the next five minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, So I have to be better at that. But yeah, we have talked on this podcast over and over and over again about keeping an idea notebook and getting out into the world. That is definitely the theme of this, this whole season. Everyone I've interviewed has been like getting out into the world. You have to get off the computer. You have to go out and interact. Well, and I think it's just like, I really do think that your creativity and your artistry can shift when you start believing that the well of inspiration is within you and you just need these like little sparks outside to kind of bring it out or to be a magnet for whatever is already in you to come to the surface. Um, But I think if you're the, the reverse of that and you're in this position of always thinking that inspiration is outside of yourself, you're always going to be creating from this place of like needing more and hungering for like, oh, I need, you're always searching for like, what is that that thing that is outside? But I don't know when you when you flip it like that and you're like, oh, everything is I've had this wealth of experiences. I have this wealth of ideas. Um, you know, I like to just think of like our experiences and our personalities and our gifts and all these things as just this like weird stew that's just inside of us. So you already have the whole stew. You know what I mean? You just need to have those little bits out in the world that that spark an idea um in you so I don't know that might be a helpful shift for people yeah and I think in you are a great example of this especially with your um abstract affirmation project and stuff you know when you you don't have to you can't wait to start until you have the idea. You know, you just have to show up every day. You know, you know that like with your abstract affirmations, you knew that you were going to paint with acrylic. You got out your paint. You made a mark. Eventually, you know, the inspiration came. The painting came about. But it was just the showing up every day, having that routine and that ritual, and just starting. And like you said, whatever's in you will come out. But you've got to show up. Definitely. And I always tell people the coolest thing too is like, I just started that project in order to, and for those um, listening who don't know, I this was last year I did a project where I just said, I, this was when I was just getting started with acrylic painting and I knew I wanted to get better at it and develop my own voice. So I said, I'm just going to show up and do a hand-lettered phrase with an acrylic painting, you know, every day of the year. And I made it 280 days and then I was like, I can't do this anymore, <laughs> which is okay too. But what's really cool about that project is it wasn't, I, I didn't have an idea of what I wanted it to turn into. And I look back on some of those paintings and I'm like, you know, they're not my favorite. Um, they could be better. But the really cool thing is that is actually how I got a book deal. That's how I got, you know, my first published book is going to be coming out um, ho- hopefully at the end of next year if the timeline sticks. Um, and but it's like I didn't go, oh, you know, it'd be cool if I wrote this book and it had art in it and it would be this and that. It was like, oh, I'll just show up for my creativity and and whatever happens, happens. And that ended up coming because somebody found my work through that. So I just share that story to tell people exactly what you said, which is that sometimes, you know, just just showing up is enough to to potentially turn into something beautiful that you couldn't have even foreseen or some dream that you didn't even know that you had. Um, but you do have to show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we cannot wait for your book to come oh out. God, so we're all going to be anxiously awaiting <laughs> so long. Well, it's going to be wait. one of those where like, a get, you know, because it's, it's such a long timeline, which I knew going into the publishing process, but even more so. And, and so I'm like kind of, 
already got like getting myself used to this idea of all the work that's going to be in the book is going to be like a year old. So, you know, any, any artists out there are kind of probably like, oh my gosh, like that's such a weird feeling. Cause if you're growing so fast, which I feel like I am with my art, um, and still developing my style, I'm kind of just getting used to this idea that I'm going to be seeing my work in a book that's a year prior, but that's okay. And, and that's just a snapshot of my story as an artist. So yeah. Okay. You don't have to tell us. Do you have a title? Are you allowed to say? I'm not allowed to say the title. Okay. <laughs> but I'm I will. So I will give you a hint that it definitely feels very congruent with the Made Vibrant brand already. So you won't be surprised by the title. And I think I can also tell you that it is more of like an interactive journal. So there's art and there's exercises and there's writing as well. So it's not just like a, a nonfiction memoir or something like that. It's like very creative and uh, for artists for sure. Oh my goodness. Your, um, I guess, journaling prompts that you did with, um, help me remember Color the, your soul. the project name. Yes, Color Your Soul. Yes. Those are some of my favorite journaling prompts I've ever done, ever. So I cannot wait. Thank you. Well, I, one of these days, I just, I want that project to come back around in a different way. But like I said, it's one of these things where it's like, I'm learning my own lessons the hard way and I have to really get the business foundation in a sustainable place where then I can create some of those things. And that's what I learned with that project. But thank you for saying that because that was that is one of the projects that even though it, you know, quote unquote, it wasn't a success from a business perspective, it was definitely one of the, the things I'm most proud of that I created. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it coming back around in a certain way. But yes, the soul studies prompts from that project are definitely very akin to some of the prompts that you'll see in the book. Awesome. I can't wait. What does living a creative lifestyle look like for you? Oh, living a creative lifestyle is, I mean, I think it definitely starts with just a mindfulness. Like I think that is the foundation of it is just tapping into, um, checking in with yourself and, and seeing what those ideas are and what you're feeling and really just having like a really deep sense of self-awareness. For me, that's where my creativity comes from is just really knowing myself really well and then wanting to create from that place because there's just, you know, it's like once I tap into that inner thing, then I'm like, gosh, that inner person in me has so much to say or so much to experience or so much to create. So anyway, that's where it kind of starts for me is like just a general self-awareness. And then I think living a creative life means making time for your creativity. So um, it's setting the intention that, as we said, even if things get busy, you're going to do those 10 minutes um, and you're going to give yourself an environment to create. I know not everybody can do, you know, have a whole room dedicated to their creativity and have like a studio or whatever. But even if it's just, you know, a a Tupperware container of all your art supplies and you keep it um, somewhere in your bedroom where you can see it all the time. And so you just, you know, give yourself those 10 minutes on a kitchen table to do that. Um, giving yourself that like little space, even if it's a Tupperware container, I think is so important. Um, and then I think living a creative life is allowing yourself to evolve and really continue to make things or make even, I mean, I think making decisions and living is like an act of creativity, but, um, really checking in with yourself every season and just saying like, what, again, what do I need right now, um, on like a bigger level and how can I make actions, take actions in my life to make sure that I'm living that, you know, in, in my outer life, like I am in my inner life. So yeah. I like it. What is your favorite creative resource right now? 
my favorite creative resource. I want to think about this. It can be a blog, it can be a podcast, a book, a place, a thing. A podcast, a book. Well, I think my go-to of all time is uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. That is like my, I'm like, did I, I mean, I couldn't have written it that well, but I'm like, did I write that? Because there are so many things in there that I believe with my whole heart. So if I'm feeling like I just need a place to go, um, that is definitely that place for me is just like diving into, and I love the way she wrote it into like smaller sections because I will just open a section and I'll be like, this is what I needed. Um, so I think that's just a good go-to for me. So I'll go with that. Oh, I love it. That is perfect. I, th- I feel like you, you've given a lot of very tangible things that people can do from this podcast today. So I'm really excited. Um, what And so what's new with you? What can we be looking for for you? It's the end of October, going into November. What's going on? Yeah. So right now, definitely my two focuses. Um, my, well, my primary focus is going to be my better branding course. So if any artists out there are trying to um, – kind of carve out an online space for themselves and potentially earn a living with their art. Um, I, this course that I created, I'm definitely in the process of updating it and making it even more kind of, uh, information dense and I'm doing a little rebrand for it. And I'm really just trying to focus on it because I believe in it so much. This is kind of goes back to what we were talking about of, kind of rather than creating new things, going back to things that I have created in the past and going, okay, I really believe in this thing. I just haven't given myself the time to devote to it. And um, my project that I have going with my husband by our future, this will, it'll be over and enrollment will be closed by the time this airs. But through that process of helping people who are interested in starting their business, it's kind of like relit a fire in me to want to help those people, especially with design and branding. So um, if you are interested in taking the free branding course that I have, which uh, will help you get clarity on kind of your brand and standing out, you can go to betterbrandingcourse.com and just click the free course link at the top. So that's one thing that I'm really going to focus on throughout the rest of the year. And then the other thing is preparing for next year. So this year was really about business foundation stuff. Um, but next year, uh, Jason and I have both talked about going into a new season of exploration and creativity. So Made Vibrant um, will definitely see some new projects going on there. Um, so if you want to find out about all of that, head to madevibrant.com newsletter and you will... Um, get on my newsletter. You'll get my Monday morning newsletters, which are kind of long form essays on different topics. And you will find out about all the new stuff that is kind of going to be coming next year. Awesome. And I will say you and Jason have shaped a lot of my business. They, they give away so many amazing things. They have so many great courses and products and free trainings. So I feel like anyone who really wants to take their creativity and turn it into a business, you guys are definitely the, a great place to start. Um, and I actually just started the better branding course this week and, um, Oh my goodness, I went to print the workbook and I was like, this thing is 400 pages. I know, the guide is crazy. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. So I can't imagine what you're at. <laughs> um, well, it's really about updating it too. Is like one thing I realized is, you know, the whole Lash mo- module is how to turn your brand into a Squarespace site because I know a lot of people struggle with web design and how to get that going. So um, there's a lot of stuff that's been updated in Squarespace that I just want to make sure is up to date in the course as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, 
That's so helpful. I'm so glad when people go back and, and update that because I've taken a few courses where, I mean, stuff just updates so it quickly. Really They're like, not what it looks, Photoshop looks like at all anymore. <laughs> it's true. Um, so that's awesome. Well, we're going to have links to everything that Caroline talked about in the show notes. And so you're going to be able to connect with her really easily through there. We, every week we do a challenge. So for people to take what they took what they learned that we talked about and to share it with us under the how she creates hashtag. So, okay. So I really loved when you were talking about tapping into, into your soul and figuring out what your soul needs right now. So I would love to challenge everybody to wake up tomorrow and decide, think of, take a moment, figure out what does my soul need today and do that thing and then take a picture of it and share it with us under the how she creates hashtag. Oh my gosh, I love that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, whether it's like, you know, oh, I need time, I need stillness, I need time to myself, I need to be out in nature, I need to create, I need to finally do those, like even do those five things that have been procrastinating forever. Sometimes that is what my soul needs is to just freaking call the insurance company and get it off my plate. <laughs> so whatever those things are, that I think that's a great challenge. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to be looking at that hashtag to see what you guys are doing. And yeah, so we can't wait to connect more with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for being here, Caroline. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you. I love chatting with you. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this episode was really encouraging and really fun for you. I had so much fun talking to Caroline. Um, Again, we're going to be looking at that how she creates hashtag to see how you are doing, what you are doing to follow your soul and your intuition to see what you need each day. I would also really, really love it and appreciate it if you took a few moments today to quickly rate and review the podcast so that more people can find out and can be encouraged from today's episode. So you can do that really easily in iTunes and in the podcast app you're listening to likely if you're listening to the normal podcast player app that is just on iPhones. And so I hope that you just have a really wonderful day and I cannot wait to see you next week for another awesome episode. And remember all the show notes are going to be at lauren-likes.com so you can connect with Caroline and myself. Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. I would love to see how you create. Share what you're making on Instagram using the hashtag HowSheCreates. If you love learning about creativity with me, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. Grab your art supplies and I'll meet you back here next week for another episode of How She Creates.